continuation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. With a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him, to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all of the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. you may be seated. The Gospel of Matthew says that the most important sermon Jesus preached was the Sermon on the Mount. But we did not read Matthew this morning. We read Luke. Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus, says so right in Luke's introduction. Writing to Theophilus, and he's writing at least 12 years before Matthew writes his gospel. And Luke says, I want to set the record straight about some of the reasons why Jesus was crucified. Luke says that the most important sermon Jesus preached was not the Sermon on the Mount. He says it was a sermon that happened this way. He came down with them and stood on a level place. Note, Jesus comes down from the mountain and his sermon is on a level plane, handicapped accessible. <laughs> a universal message for all people. Now, those of you who've been in our Luke study know that the poverty rate among Palestinians in the time of Jesus was 90%. Underneath everything Jesus says in the Sermon on the Plain is a recognition of the plight of the poor. A great multitude came to hear him, 
for his sermon was anointed. And understand, though evangelicals sometimes throw the word anointed around glibly, in Luke's gospel, the term anointed means to proclaim good news to the poor, to preach to the brokenhearted, to take the side of those who are out of the mainstream, to reach to the margins of society where monsters dwell. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom in which demonic powers, which create hopelessness, poverty, and despair, are defeated. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples as if to say, watch this. Then he looked up at his disciples as if to say, you better get this. He looked up at his disciples and he said, blessings on you if you are poor, but woe to you who are rich. Blessings on you if you are hungry, but woe to you who are full. Blessings on you who weep, but woe to you who are laughing. Blessings on you when people hate you and exclude you, but woe to you when all speak well of you. Blessings on you if you are defamed for speaking the truth, but woe to you if you are a false prophet speaking what is popular to everyone. What Jesus said was not popular. With everyone. What Jesus said was not politically acceptable in his day and perhaps is not completely politically acceptable in our day. Say amen if you dare. A sermon which recognizes that the poor are hungry, that the poor weep, that the poor are excluded will eventually Yet Jesus crucified. And this is why Luke is writing to Theophilus. One of the debates that used to drive me nuts among my colleagues was whether in a sermon it is not what you said but how you said it that made a difference. Now there is some truth in that, but there are some things people do not want to hear. Period. Full stop. End of story. Well, according to Luke, Jesus liked to speak about the woe we bring on ourselves when we do not care for the poor. Luke's gospel, Jesus uses the word woe more than any other gospel, perhaps more than all the other gospels combined. Woe is used 15 times in Luke. There is a judgment, according to Jesus, a judgment against those who speak ill of the poor, abuse the poor, think less of the poor, divide the poor up into those who are worthy of help and those who are not worthy of help. God's message, going back to the prophets of Israel, is that God judges the poor differently than he judges all the rest of us. Do not go down the road of even thinking about qualifying your support for the poor. 
if our support of the poor is the least bit provisional, then woe be to us, according to Jesus. In poor neighborhoods that do not have access to banks, payday lenders are almost on every block. The poor, unable to get the kind of loan that you and I might get, they sign over their entire next paychecks to get an advance, a loan. Average interest rates for a payday loan are over 400%. According to Fortune magazine, this is a $90 billion industry and it is built on the presupposition that there will be a 40% failure rate of those unable to pay back their loan, creating permanent debt among many borrowers. With few regulations, what few there are that have been put on payday loan businesses, these are now being overturned by Washington. In the scriptures, this is called usury. It's considered a mortal sin. Exodus 22:25. If you loan money to my people, says the Lord, to the poor among you, don't be like a creditor to them, and don't impose interest on them. Mentioned 24 times directly, and by my count, and I tried to count these about 6 o'clock last night when I found out I was preaching, <laughs> it is inferred, it is inferred in the Bible close to 80 times. It's mentioned in the books of the law. It's mentioned in the books of the prophets. It's mentioned in wisdom literature. It's mentioned in apocalyptic literature. It's mentioned in the letters and the writings. It's mentioned in the Psalms. It's mentioned in Proverbs. And it's mentioned in the Gospels. It is found in every type of literature in the Bible. Woe to you if you act like a creditor against the poor, says the word of the Lord. In the last few years, uh, certain politicians have advocated drug testing for the poor, drug testing for temporary assistance for needy families or TANF, drug testing for those on welfare, drug testing for those who receive food stamps, drug testing even to receive unemployment benefits. Of the states that have passed these laws, one thing has become clear, it is a colossal waste of taxpayer money. Missouri found fewer than 50 people tested positive for drugs out of 39,000 tested. Kansas had 11 test positive out of almost 3,000 tested. Mississippi had two positive tests out of close to 3,700 tested. Arizona, and they get the grand prize, spending literally millions of dollars, they found three tested positive out of 142,000 who were tested. Yet people keep proposing these laws, but in every state where it was tried, the rate of drug use among the poor was less than 1% of those tested. The national rate for all Americans, is that 9.4% of the rest of us test positive with random drug testing. Perhaps politicians should be tested. 
testing people for drugs just because they are poor stigmatizes them. It demeans them. It puts an extra burden on an already burdensome daily schedule, and it perpetuates the belief that being poor is due to some flaw of character, some immorality. Woe to you if you act like there is something wrong about a person that made them poor. Woe to you if you're more suspicious of the poor than the rest of the general population. Woe to you if you think the poor need to be punished or corrected. In the scriptures, God has a preferential love for the poor. Not because they are better than others morally or religiously, but simply because they are poor and living in an inhuman condition that is contrary to God's will. The opposite of poverty is not riches, it's justice. Prison reform is necessary because it's been found that the poor get sentenced differently than the non-poor for the exact same crimes. Injustice was built into the system and it reinforces the subconscious notion that rich people are superior to poor people and therefore should receive a different treatment from the judge. America has both the largest number and the largest percentage of its population in prison more than any other country. Woe to you who create laws that turn poor people into criminals. According to the New York Times, approximately 3,000 families have been separated at the border. Their crime was being poor and fleeing for their lives from gang violence and death. Asylum seekers, which are legal according to the laws of the United States, were treated as common criminals treated as less than human. Even those cities in this country that receive immigrants have substantially lower crime, treated as less even though immigrants commit crimes at a rate that is 47% lower than people born in this country, treated as less even though the children of immigrants graduate from college at a higher rate than any other group in this country, Treated as less, even though each immigrant who settles in this country produces the equivalent of 10 new jobs for the economy. Jesus says to us, Woe to you who are complacent about the very stranger I told you to welcome with love. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, according to Luke's gospel, the church is supposed to side with the poor. Are we all called to take a vow of poverty? No. Are we all called to live a life of asceticism among the poor? No. But we are called to surrender ourselves completely to God's values, God's way of seeing things. Whenever we say the Nicene Creed, the traditional understanding of that being buried part, or we say the original version of the Apostles' Creed, we make a reference to a somewhat overlooked aspect of Jesus' ministry. He preached in hell 
First Peter, writing to the church, put it this way. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. According to Peter, Jesus went to hell. Went to hell when he died because Jesus went to hell when he was alive. Jesus knew that to preach the truth about social injustice is to recognize all the hellish holds that humans can fall into. And blessed are you if you speak the truth about this because you will be reviled. So he advises, advises his disciples to follow him. Follow him right into hell. Ephesians 4 put it this way, in saying that Jesus ascended and led a host of captives, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? And the psalmist put it this way, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. When I graduated from high school, I remember reading about a United Methodist Church in Nashville in which the congregation did a year-long study of social principles of the church based on a traditional reading of the Apostles' Creed. After that study, they decided that for one year in the life of the church, when they got to the passing of the peace, they would not say, the peace of the Lord be with you, but instead, following the admonition of Jesus, they would say to each other, in the name of Jesus Christ, go to hell. <laughs> kind of gets your attention. Woe to us if we do not take sides with those who are in the hellish prisons of poverty. The prayer for Jesus for us this day, even now as he sits at the right hand of God, is that we would reach to the edges of the world where monsters dwell, that we would crash the gates of hell on behalf of the poor and the marginalized, that whenever you are out in the community and you hear somebody say something that is wrong, that is an error, that is said in a way that despises the poor in any way, we're supposed to speak up and say something. Jesus said, this kind of church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and it will be preserved for all eternity. Amen.